All right, here we go. Turn one. I'll roll for wind change. Uh, no, nothing. No wind change? All right. No. All right, I'm going to skip prep fire, go right on to movement. Go ahead, bring him on, baby. Take my squad. Here we go. Running across here. One. Uh, what was that? I, I shot. I'm shooting. I'm first firing. Oh. With my rifle squad. Oh. So, okay. first fire. I'll roll the die. All right. All right. Well, okay. Don't even bother taking a check on that. Okay. All right. Uh, so, I'll move again. Uh, two. What what was that? That's the machine gun. Couldn't fire first firing the machine gun. That's a fire lane. We only have fire lane right down there. All right, here we go. Oh, that's a morale check. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see. Ooh, I break. Oh, what is that? That was your guys breaking. Just okay. All right. All right, well, next squad, running out. Oh, I was waiting for you to make that move. Whoa, what was that? That was the artillery. Are you going to do this through the entire game? Well, sorry, yeah, it's just a habit I developed over the years. Yeah, I think I'll just concede right now. Hello, everyone. Hello. And welcome to the only cast on the net dedicated 100% to the greatest game in the world. Which game is that? Advanced Squad Leader. Of course. Of course. How silly of me. This is the two half squads. It's episode 82. Yeah. And it's Monday the 10th. Of December. So. 2012. Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas. I don't know if we'll get anything else out before... Christmas, but yeah. we'll see. We may, we may not. Um, 82, you know, I can't believe 82 times we have sat down to these microphones. Well, I've, I've missed a few, which you've, well, you've probably you've done, done a few without five. me. Some newbie do's and things. Yeah, but yeah, those but I mean, the regular episodes. episodes, 82 regular episodes, I've probably been on 77 of them. You've probably done five on your own, and something I like that. I think, well, with Piano Man and other yes. good friends <laughs> yes. of the show. Yeah. <laughs> It's always good when Piano Man can stop He's in. He's just so calm and suave and deboning. Yeah, very, very relaxing to listen to. Um, 82 times, though. I think it's 97 total with the... Extras and all that? Yeah. Wow. I think, or something it's more like that. more than that. Anyway. So when we hit 100, a we'll already be beyond 100. Yeah. And I keep feeling like the show is new. It still feels new to me. And maybe that's because I, I rarely go back and listen to past episodes, though I have started doing that. I got a new phone and like downloaded all the episodes into the into the phone, and I've been back uh, through listening to them. And now you'll know what the listeners have to go through. Yeah, <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> now some of them, I'm you know, it's a little embarrassing, but I, I, you know, I'll be listening to us and I'll think, hey, this is really entertaining, <laughs> and I feel so lame because <laughs> I'm so entertained. Oh. It ain't a bad thing. Maybe. Maybe it not. It ain't that, a bad thing. And I'm glad I'm going back and listening because I, um, it reminds me of this, uh, a lot of great topics that we've gotten, we've had. And, you know, I was listening to something the other day and 
we were talking about rules, which is always refreshing. <laughs> but I learned a couple of things. I can't remember them now, but at the time, right, I learned. Them. Yeah, and I've so, listened three times, so I've you're learned good. them three times and still don't know them. Yeah, you're good though. But I'm always like, wait a minute. Oh yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. I got to remember that. Yeah. And like last episode, I know we did miss you, Jeff. Um, yeah, sorry, I couldn't be there. It's going to happen, yeah. you know. Better yeah. to have uh, any ASL talk is better than no ASL talk. Well, I'm with you there. And having Bob in, I th- I think hadn't got a lot of feedback, no negative on him, but yeah, that was great gaming advice. Yeah, uh, just tips on. So, listeners, if you're thinking, oh, I don't want to play that scenario, I'm not going to listen to it. The muddy. Oh, the hell for the holidays? Yeah. Don't not listen for that reason, because within there are just reminders of things like you get double shots on certain American vehicles. Right. Of how to remember to do go a motion attempt. Uh, right. Because we really discuss in general things I forgot or didn't yeah. get done and things that could benefit a player that go beyond just that scenario. Yes. They're applicable across the board. Yeah. The, and, across the board. And uh, yeah, Yes. <laughs> Board 47, in fact. Boing. That's a good pun. <laughs> yes, and I do I do find that listening to some past episodes, I'll think, um, you know, I don't, why do I need to listen to that uh-huh. again? But there's always something interesting in there that I've forgotten. So it's good. Yep. It's good. And actually, the more you listen to them, we've said this before, the better they get. The, yes. Yes, they, they really grow on you. So having said all that, it's great to see you, Dave. And good to see you, sir. We uh, we haven't spent nearly as much time together as we want, so we're catching up. Tonight, tonight's beverage is brought to you by Costco. We're having the Costco bourbon. Yeah, because why not? Cheers. Clink. And drink. That's right. Colonel. Colonel Clink and drink. So I'll just pour myself a little of this tonight. I've decided to have... Um, I'm trying to reduce the gluten in my diet, so I'm not drinking beer. Oh, well, I brought one or two of those, but... Gluten-free beer? I know nothing. Oh, regular beer. <laughs> Just a little bourbon. It's that, good. That is so, gluten-free, is it not? Uh, well, you know, I've never checked, and I don't really want to know. But mo- <laughs> Not at this point. <laughs> no. But most no. likely it is. But, if you know, uh, for those of you that have Costco in your areas, if you, if you think, oh, man, I'm not going to buy the Costco bourbon... It's very good. Seven-year-old Kentucky bourbon, small batch. I don't know what that means. A million gallons at a time? I don't know. For Costco, small batch. But it's got a great flavor, smooth finish, and doesn't give you a headache. doesn't give my wife a headache either. So, And, you know, with cold and flu season coming up, you're going to want to keep a couple of bottles of this around. What say we go to letters, Dave? Sure thing, bub. never called you bub before no i don't think you have i'd like to thank you for calling me bub and i'd like to thank you for not having that garlicky salsa oh, before oh. you came over tonight <laughs> yeah i assume you didn't anyway no did not you're you, smelling so fresh you would know it if i did <laughs> I would. Uh, it's nice to have uh, leonard slatkin back tonight playing the yeah the piano favorite. man really rocked i on thought that, that was yeah i thought that was an excellent version where'd you find that he is talented he's well he just yeah. came over and played it on the piano yeah <laughs> very handy it's my story and i'm sticking yeah, to it very handy 
We're actually going to let them finish all the way up to the uh, bridge here. There and what do you have in the inbox, Jeff? Well, uh, letters. I have a letter here from Dave Kleinschmidt. Forwarded from Multiman Publishing. Yes, which, uh, which this was nice. Nice to hear. That's all I'm going to say about it. No, I'll actually read it. We are announcing, this is Multiman Publishing. We are announcing a number of changes here at Multiman Publishing. In listening to your feedback, we have heard a number of frustrations, which we have taken to heart. Not listening to us. We never complain. We don't complain, and, and they don't listen. So, uh, After analyzing how we can better provide our customers with quality games and service within given constraints, we are undertaking two initiatives to improve our processes. I think this is nice. The first initiative comes in the area of customer relations. We understand that MMP needs to do a better job of communicating with our customers. Hey, they could call us up and talk here on the air. We have all different, many different kinds of ways that we communicate, and mm-hmm. we're we're always ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they continue. We have engaged Stephen Mitchell as our communications coordinator. That's with capital C's to help us accomplish that goal. Stephen will be an active presence on the various board game, uh, wargaming boards and social networks, and he will help us release a monthly status update about our game development and pre-orders. I, that's a great idea. It is a great idea. You can never have uh, you know, too much of that kind of uh, customer service. Yeah, and I've limited my discussion boards and all that stuff. I just don't need that many places to check. Oh, yeah. I, I, I really you like to do it. Keep up with everything, yeah. Oh, it's so hard because um, I'll read sometimes some of the stuff on Board Game Geek. I read that in my newsreader. It comes through on my tablet and on my phone. So okay. So I'll read some of those discussions. But honestly, a lot of times it's just a lot of blah, blah. I mean, just blah, 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 blah. ASL talk. It's but... ASL talk, but it's blah, blah. You know, it's just a lot of words spent yeah. on... I have you know, searched like a scenario sometimes. Yeah, I find someone that's handy. had a question that was a confusing rule, and then there's a discussion about it. Yeah, and that does help. But, yeah. yeah, but somebody will talk about the type, you know, the font face that they use in the rule book, and I'm just making that up. But as an oh. as an example, you know, <laughs> say, oh, you know, couldn't they use Arial instead of the instead of the <laughs> serif fonts, and you know, and there'll be fifty going back and forth, and it's just it's not. It's not what I'm interested in. Yeah. And somebody else wants to do it, and obviously they do. Let them do it. But there's so much of that. Board Game Geek, um, Consim World, which I'm never on. I just never on. And then uh, what's the other one? Game Squad. Game Squad forums. I don't have time. You don't have time. We're sorry. We do this. We have a show to do. We have a show. (laughs) I shouldn't be sorry. We have a show. They're not doing a show. We're You're doing making a show. your contribution. To oh, I'm trying. Absolutely. Should I continue with this letter, or have I gone off the deep end? Here? I think. No, I think so. Uh, the second initiative is to improve and streamline how Multiman Publishing handles pre-orders and the production queue. So, what they're going to be doing there is um, they're just shortening the time on pre-order. Yeah. They don't okay. put stuff up on pre-order unless really it's ready to go on pre-order. You know, they're not just going to throw it up there to uh, get people all worked up about it. And then they, they promise to publish in a certain period of time and commit to a, you know, a certain deadline and all these kind of things, which are Which are, which are nice because yeah. it is something you can get. In my old age here, I'm pretty 
laid back about it. Like yeah. a year can go by. Like yeah. the new journal's out. I haven't got it yet. I went ahead and ordered from Alex, and I know that'll take a little longer. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm really in no hurry anymore. But that Hakapale, I would really like to see that soon. We've been talking about that since For the beginning of time. Since five you know, years. Ten. Five years, but, yeah. But they haven't put it on pre-order. And right. But it got pushed back. And that one is the only one that is upsetting me um, because... Again, it's I worked on it too, and uh, and it's new. Yeah, re-releasing everything I have already. Doesn't Maybe that's why they're me. holding it because you so, worked on it. I think they're just trying to get my goat. But <laughs> let me see what you look like when you're well, when you're upset. You know, well, show me the face. Here, ready? That's terrifying. Okay, see, see. <laughs> um, I'm glad this is not a visual show tonight. Do you, uh, also, I, I realized there was a whole journal article. I think listening back to our show, we were yeah we were doing a what's in the box about a journal years ago, and they had covered upcoming look at Hakapale too. Oh yeah. So I think you build all this um, excitement. Yes. Here it is. Oh, yeah. they're talking about it on the half squads. It's in the journal. Yeah. Oh, it's coming next. Ken Smith and we're has done the art. Order it. Yeah. yeah. And then you know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, and I don't know if um, you know maybe it got. Maybe it keeps getting pushed back because they decide other things are more important. People I mean, want the Japanese, and they I want do Japanese not stuff. begrudge anyone that. Yeah. So they want it more than they want. Just the that I already have two copies of the Japanese. So, so uh, anyway, I thought this was a nice letter, and it goes it goes on and talks a lot, not just about Squad Leader, but the other things that uh, Multi Man does. So they're really making an effort there. Now I'm, I'm ready. I am ready to hear from uh, Stephen Mitchell, though. Yes. So Stephen, give us a call. Love, we'd love to hear from you. All righty. I have a letter from Luke Sineath. Did Is he the, is he the one? He posted something on Ireland? our website. No. Yes, well, I don't know. He, he had read, it was a tweet he sent. He read his copy of the 89 Annual uh, yes. okay. and saw that I, Dave, was one of the men of Company A and... He said you should interview everyone on this list. So I went back and I was like, Men of Company A. Oh, yeah, what was that? Like an opponent's wanted thing. And I, I went back and read it and I had a nice little reminiscent time of back in the good old days, in the late 80s, mm. when my name was in an, in, in an annual and I was a somebody. Yeah. <laughs> You're like Steve Martin in The Jerk when he, when he gets so excited when the new phone book is out. Oh, right. That's right. I'm he a looks somebody. up his name. Look at that, I'm somebody. So anyway, if you want to see my name in print, everyone. <laughs> Sorry to waste your time with that one, Jeff. You could do, well, you could do that. You could. Somebody might want to see your name in print. You know what? Just Well, there's an actual list if you want to go back and see who was in, yeah. in the hobby back in 89. Yeah. That's a great list to look at. Yeah. There's tons of names in there by state. Yeah. A letter here from Tim Stone, or Timothy Stone. Jeff and Dave... Hope you'll enjoy this screenshot. The game is called Close Combat. So this is a video game, I guess, a computer-based game. Um, I think this is the game title that you struggled with in a recent episode. This is Panthers in the Fog, the newest release in a series from Matrix Games. I, mean, I know Matrix Games makes a lot of these, a lot of computer-based, uh, turn-based strategy and uh, tactical games. Uh, Wikipedia notes that Close Combat was developed as a computer game version of the Avalon Hill board game Advanced Squad Leader. So you can go to Matrix Games and just Google it and look for this Close Combat and 
and play this game. That's not the one I was thinking of. The one I was thinking of um, is called Steel Panthers, which you can still find if you look. You can find a free version out there. I'm not sure what close combat, how much close combat costs, but I don't like to spend money. No. Except on squad leaders. And we have ASL, so. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, uh, Timothy, for posting that. And here's Nelson Asada chiming in. It's been a while since we've heard from him. He says hello again from Alaska. May I suggest an episode based on somewhat newer historical ASL terrain, namely village terrain, Mm -hmm. contrasting street fighting and close combat reaction fire? Those are good ones. And possible titles are It Takes a Village, It Takes a Village Idiot, or Village People (laughs) slash MMC. Nice. Good titles. Yeah. Thank you, Nelson. Now all we need to do is get him to fill in the content and... And record it for us. Send it it in and we'll we'll toss it on up in an episode. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, great ideas, Nelson. Of course, we're going to try to cover everything before episode 200. And I think we'll have to go that far. Actually, we were just looking at... um, Chapter E, and we discovered a lot of stuff that we've never touched upon. Right. I mean, there's lots of lots new, of stuff. New left weather, in the world, and we yeah. did night, and uh, we're planning on doing paratroopers and gliders tonight. Yeah. So we better get moving. Yeah. Uh, Nelson sends us another one, and this is a follow up to um, to a show we did line previously on line of sight. Uh, gentlemen, consider discussing this excellent play aid at some future episode and then the link to the line of sight episodes, which was episode 76. And he sent us this player aid, which is uh, readily available. People have probably seen it. We'll put a link to it on our in our show notes. But very handy for figuring out those line of sights with elevations where you've got buildings and yeah, um, blind hexes and all that kind of stuff. And it helps you figure that out. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Nelson. Colin Jeschke wrote it and said... What do you say? Hey, guys. I've been listening for quite a while now. Started a bit late. You were already at about episode 20, but I did start at the beginning, as we have recommended. Yes. It is great listening to your show uh, to and from work. And we have a small group of about eight or so players that get together as a group every month or so to play ASL. I'm up in Calgary, Alberta. Which brings me to the point of this email, and he's asking for an email address from Alan. So what we did was contacted Alan, said, hey, email Colin, and they're getting together and they're playing ASL. How about that? So once again, listeners. Another match made in heaven. Take advantage of this opportunity. Yeah. And if you are in Calgary area, maybe you want to email us and tell us to email Colin and ask him to invite you into his group. Yeah. You Calgarians, Calgarians, Calgarians. Calgarians. I like the Calgarians. (laughs) Yeah. Write us. Um, You know, you've heard the Calgarian chants, haven't you, from... Yes. (laughs) Calgarian chants. Gregorian. Oh. Uh, And Bill, uh, an old friend of ours, Primus, who we haven't heard from in a while. Um, Nice to hear from him. Just uh, commented on episode 81, saying how good it was to hear the episode. And that was an episode that you did on your own. And he said, you know what? It's still a good episode. And one half squad is nearly as good as two. Glad you kept the show going all this time. Yeah, but there were four emails saying, where the hell's Jeff? (laughs) Yeah, well, I was feeling a bit down. Yeah, but, you know. No, no, there's no... It's like replacing 
Right. Either of us, I we, hope. Well, there's no replacing, <laughs> but, you know, I think we're better together than we are. Well, I, I don't know, about. I it's wouldn't even say different. that. It's if, just different. You want a teaching episode? Yeah. Jeff can sit down and just go through a rule book and do a cha- do a rule section or, you know, like the newbie-doos. I wasn't in on those early, and that right. was fantastic stuff. So, But we did have great guests with Dave and Bob. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a very good episode. So. I enjoyed it. So thanks everybody for listening. And you know we didn't we haven't had any. Uh, I shouldn't talk about this. We didn't have any donations like that. I don't think. Let's you know what? Let's open up the uh, the ASL uh, the two half squad safe and see how much money we've got in there. Oh yeah, take, I'm just because I haven't looked in there, in there in a while. Let's... Oh, what's in there? Oh, there's nothing in here. What? There's nothing in here. I haven't seen it this empty since we bought this thing. How are we going to pay for our bandwidth? I don't know. There's plenty of room in here for cash and prizes. <laughs> Not that we're begging, mind you. Well, folks, a little depressing in here. Let's get out of here. I'm never adverse to asking <laughs> for money. Give us a donation. And if if you're not going to give us a donation, then get in there, click on the website on that little record button, and leave us a message. message. Yeah, if you're not going to leave us a donation, leave us a message. And it's easy. Just click. It records automatically. And tell us your favorite nationality or just say hi. Yeah. Hey, Dave and Jeff, you guys are the sexiest squad leader people I have ever found. I was browsing the web, and I have no idea what ASL is, but I found your website. You guys are hotties. Keep up the good work. Bye. This is an anonymous fan. Bye-bye. Wow. Sweet. Holy cow, Jeff. Gives me an idea. You know what? We could do this. We could actually quit our jobs Uh and just hang out online all the time, and like we're just hanging out. Until people like connect that. to what connect to us and pay to talk to us. Oh, hey, that kind of like the new. Yeah, there's another industry where that kind of thing goes on, <laughs> and it does very well for them. Well, whoever Maybe. that was, I'm glad they found our record button. Yeah, really, anyway. that was nice. There's another one too. Bring it on. Hello, two half squads. This is Rich Spilkey checking in. Say hello and making sure my microphone works. Hope to talk to you guys soon. See ya. That wasn't nearly as good as the other one. <laughs> I did like the other one better. Dear Rich, <laughs> your microphone works fine. And Rich was going to try and be here tonight. Yeah. We're hoping a follow-up episode to tonight's will be his doing a big game with paratroopers and gliders, and gliders right? yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, re- reiterating and fixing up and... And Talking about some strategies and yeah, taking it tips. to the next level yeah. with your paradrops, other than just the rules. Yeah. So hopefully soon. Yeah, maybe next episode. We're hoping so. And his charts, which we've mentioned before, haven't gotten to yet. Yeah, he's got new charts. So. Hey, did you um, go on the Multiman website uh, for Black Friday this year? I did not. Yeah, I did. I already either. had everything. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's because uh, I went. Um, oh, I tried to get on there. Actually, we were traveling. Over Thanksgiving, I tried to get on from my phone, and it's really the website doesn't come up really well on a phone. But I don't know. I just didn't know if they had any great deals or not. Yeah, I, I was looking they did. on there today, and um, they'd still have a couple of really cool things. For for instance, the extra, extra 
extra-large size winter-offensive T-shirt. In case you want to cover your, oh. like, a couch. Three X's? Yes. Yes. Maybe a little large for me. That's $18. Now, the extra, extra-large is only $17 because apparently they, do they, save enough, they save enough fabric. So going on this and keeping in mind the way the rules work, the rule book works, how much do you think the extra-large T-shirt is? If the extra, extra, extra-large is 18, just like quiz show, and the extra-large <laughs> is 17, sorry, the extra, extra-large is 17, how much is the extra-large? 16 or $9.99. Where, which 16. one? 16. It's 16. Oh, okay. It's 16. The large is 15. The small is, you know, small people just don't get a discount. But, no. Small people, they don't make T-shirts for small That's why people. America's overweight. You know, if we don't encourage them by having cheaper uh, costs for the for small, small T-shirts. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's yeah, that's why never, I don't give a darn really what I weigh. <laughs> anyway, check out that uh, you you very, very large people, and you know who you are. <laughs> I'm check very, very close to that. <laughs> All right, Dave. Hey, do you know what time it is now? I'm kind of excited about this. It's time for... What's in the box? That's right. What's in the box? One of our favorite segments. And what is in the box? You know why I love what's in the box? Because there's something in a box. This is your (laughs) game. Did you buy this? Yeah, you know that uh, a couple episodes ago, or maybe, yeah, a couple episodes ago, I talked about having sold some games at the Games Plus auction. And I had some money to spend at Games Plus. And the other day I thought, I don't know what I'm going to, I'm bored. I'm going to go over to Games Plus and spend some of my money. So I went over there and I f- bought this. It is Pegasus Bridge. That would be Pegasus Bridge. Oh, well, you pronounce it your way, I'll pronounce it my way. And when we go to the next tournament, we'll see who's right. <laughs> I'm going to go up to people. Do you want to play Pegasus now, Bridge? Now that game, so here it is. I can tell you now, it comes with a set of British paratroopers. Are those eight four eight or something? No. Oh, you remember, That's the German yeah, six four. Well, you're gonna find out when you. We're open gonna it. find out when we open it. Yeah. They have a unique symbol on them with the Pegasus. Oh, is that right? Yeah. As it shows, I'm on sure the they box have a good front. reason for that. So, so yeah, I, you know, one of the things that I love about buying something new, especially like this, is because it's historical. I mean, it's because I know they haven't they haven't printed this in years. So it's like finding a little gem in, I don't in think a time you, capsule. I don't think they're going to ever repeat that one. It wasn't Probably the not. most popular game. Yes, and I have a guess as to why that would be. But um, anyway, it's a beautiful box, and I think we did a box art review on this, right? Yes, we did. Yeah. So uh, go back to episode remember, to, for the box art review. But I love this. It says, it, look at this, the Avalon Hill Game Company right there on the front. So you know this, this goes back a while. And uh, it says right here on the contents, uh, includes a map sheet, lots of counters, scenarios, uh, chapter Q rules, chapter H update, chapter K update, which is the, the training manual, which we talked about with uh, Vic. Was it Vic Provost that uh, wrote the training manual? Uh, nope, that was, was Stoller. No, it was Jim Stoller, right. I knew that. Just wanted to know if you were listening. So, great box. I'm going to open it right now. Still in the original shrink wrap. And this bridge crossed the Khan Canal. 
in Normandy, France, was part of the D-Day operations, and it has gliders, Jeff. Yes, it does. It's one of the reasons why we decided to do gliders tonight. Here we go, and you cracking can, into it. I hear this is actually a great place to visit, and Major John Howard used to be like around there often and would give tours. He was one of the British leaders. Oh, is that right? Of the, uh, yeah, the British airborne troops. Wow. 181 men uh, landed with Major Howard, uh, John Howard. They didn't bring women with them? No, that's huh. not that's not allowable in the British Army there. Huh. A serious thing. And they can't land it in six horse gliders to capture the bridge. Pretty cool. You know so much, Dave. Yes, I've, I've read the book by Stephen Ambrose, and I'll review it oh. in a future episode. Okay. And I've played all these scenarios, Jeff. I'm sure even, you have. Even the big one. But, wow. But not the campaign game. Well, I'm. it's on my list of things to do. So right here at the top of the box is scenario cards and you can <laughs> they're yellow they're yellow with age do you think are they do you, do you think those are yellow just with a age? little bit compare them to this yeah. you know mm-hmm. yeah a little bit not as bad as my early early stuff and i don't know they look they look different than our regular are they no no they're normal normal mmp scenarios they're actually not eight and a half by 11 they're eight by 11 they're the same size as all other scenario cards really yes okay you're right, Dave. <laughs> so we've got uh, two, four, six, eight scenarios. No, six scenarios plus the campaign game that goes along in here. Yes, because there are German reinforcements that come in at some point. The, the pairs land. I guess Ham and Bloody Jam here uh, looks like it. If I, I won't remember correctly. Because it's been quite a while I played these when they well, first As long came as you out. say it with confidence, nobody's gonna question <laughs> you. So Yeah, and it's night landing in the gliders. They have yeah. to charge the bridge and capture it. Right. The uh Howard's men has some German tanks then that enter, so that would be a little later. That's like later on June sixth, D Day. So you got night rules plus glider rules going on here? Yep, for some of them. Now, not all yeah. of them. So if you don't want to right. play glider rules, you don't need to. Yeah. You can play the games where they've already landed. Okay. Correct. There's no paradrops here. Yeah. All landing by gliders. Killian's Red, I remember this one. It's nice and short. Has the, uh, I think it has a church steeple in it. No, maybe just a, yeah, steeple location. You've got a control. Uh-huh. That's cool. I always love those. You know? And uh, it's about time, I think, is the big one. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, two-sided uh, card. But even though it's the big one, the Germans have 23 squads and only seven vehicles. So it's it's not like playing the last bid or the first bid or yeah. any of those hundred counter games yeah. that are the big one in these other historical modules. And that's why I played that one and haven't played last bid yet, but I'm starting this month, the 22nd. That's pretty, you know. yes, I know. Very exciting. So let's see. These, this is uh, PB. PB. I'm just curious who designed these. Uh, Tim Van Sant. Um, yeah, I don't know. Who did? Yeah. Tim Van Sant. Um, I always like to give credit where credit is due. Brian Yaus is on this one piecemeal. Okay. Tim Van Sant. A third one. Uh, Kurt Schilling has done one. It's about time. And then... Uh, the big one, tailor-made defense, done by Brian Yous, or Yous. 
We would know how to spell his name if he would call us. And if you visit there today, uh, pronounce his name. Sorry, <laughs> there is the Pegasus Museum, and it was inaugurated uh, on June fourth in two thousand. Wow! And so it's yeah. Again, I've heard this is a great place to go, and I would really like to go there. It's on our list. It's on our bucket list. Mm-hmm. Um, right under the scenarios is this is the map, which is fabulous poster size. So this is like. Uh, Whatever it is, 22 by 32. Lovely map. Oh, I forgot that woods on the end by that big building. Yeah. Because most of the actions, of course, taking across the center here with the bridge for the the smaller scenarios. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I kind of forgot. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's coming back now a little bit there. Town of Laporte and your gliders land in that open area. The the fields fields out here? Okay. Yeah. And, and there's um, some elevations going on there. Then they charge into the... Yeah, I forgot the elevations, too, as a matter of fact. Yeah, it looks like there's some depressions in there, plus elevations. Lines of trees going along, looks like we're... Um, yeah, they land on... I'm sorry, they land on this side over here. Boy, it doesn't look like there's a lot of room to land those things, but there is. There's these irrigation di- ditches, are these very thin lines. Oh, is that what that is? Right? Okay. Little irrigation yeah. ditches, and I forget all the rules for those, but they're... Just a little more to move through, maybe, and I don't think they provided much cover, if any. And um, and you move through them quickly and start battling by the, the bridge. And the British take the bridge, and so a lot of them are counterattacked. Germans trying to retake it. Ah, gotcha. So very nice-looking map, heavy-grade paper, and uh, kind of thing you might want to hang on the wall. If you're never going to play this, just hang it on the wall. And people will come over, and they'll think you're just kind of weird. But yeah, you have to play them. I can't. There ought to be a book that shows you how to refold the map. And then we get to the counter sheets. Pegasus Bridge, the front and back. I always love that. (laughs) So you know which is which. So now you were saying there's some special logo of of the airborne unit. What is the name of the unit? Uh, I don't. Oh, yeah, I do see that logo in the upper right hand corner. So instead of putting. Oh no, letter designations are on are on these as well. So you can keep all the units straight. Right, because the British reinforcements come also, I believe, and that's to tell the difference between those and other ones that come in later that are not paratroop guys. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. All right, and then I'm just looking at the leaders here. There's Lieutenant Wood, Lieutenant Fox, Lieutenant Dunn. I wonder if these are historical Is or if these Howard are play testers. Um I oh let's see Captain Todd Taylor yes there is a um, major Pine? major Howard yeah Pine Collins yes Pine Collins and uh, uh, yeah. Colonel Pine Collins okay yeah mm-hmm. yeah and this is the Ox and Bucks that was it I'm looking it up now so and then some unusual counters these are um, look oh. like uh, British or German location counters which I haven't seen in any of the other. Modules. Right, they're doing those in historicals, and those are great to use as turn counters and, of course, mark occupied locations. You have your French machine, German machine guns are in here with the little F by them. They're different than the German machine guns because they're French in German possession. Ah, okay. Some extra no-move counters, a British sniper counters. I love the sniper counters and the turn counters. They're my favorite, which is really strange. Um, <laughs> and some vehicles. I forget if they were new vehicles or not. Are there any new vehicle sheets in there, Jeff? Well, let's see. Okay, so the next thing down here is the um, addendums to the rules. So there's Chapter Q, which is 
which are the Pegasus Bridge rules specifically. So it covers things like uh, irrigation ditches, partial orchards, which of course in the in the, are now, in the rule book are not partial. They're inherent, but these are partial orchards. There's slope hex sides, village terrain, combination terrain, towers, barbed wire hexes, hillside walls and hedges, and rules about the campaign game. So about 10 pages here. No, maybe more. Yeah, no new vehicle. 16 pages of rules. Yes, and then there is Chapter H in here also. Okay, I forgot so, about that. Pegasus Bridge German Vehicles. There are a couple of pages worth. Yeah, oh, sorry. These are new vehicles. Two pages. Yep. Yeah, this, they're French. The FT-17, that sounds like that's a French vehicle. The 35-S, I think those are all French. With the swift capture, I'm, let, me, let me tell you what I know about it, Dave. With the swift capture, capture of France in 1940 came a great quantity of captured vehicles and weapons. The Germans were quick to utilize the best of these weapons to equip their troops and fill the void left by their own manufacturing process. In France, a major Becker realized the potential windfall these vehicles could provide to his family business and quickly began modifying the vehicles for use by his troops. Termed Becker's Funnies, these vehicles were mostly based on the reliable Lorraine Schlepper and uh, Hotchkiss chassis. Various conversions turned these Chassis into tank destroyers, infantry carriers, recovery vehicles, and self-propelled artillery. So, Yeah, uh-huh. that is what I see here, the yep. GSW, self-propelled artillery. So yeah, you got to have this, man. This. i got to have this. Yeah, I didn't that. have this. That, that's ch- Chapter K? Chapter K, yeah. Which I think... This um, was by, written this, by Stoller. And this is... Which part? Is it 7? The squad leader training manual. Is it uh, section 7, or what does it say there for which section this is? Day 7, is yeah. Day yeah. 7, okay. Light mortars which and I basic ordnance. If, if you buy the um, the version 2 rule book, it's included. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's great teaching stuff there. Yeah. So that's not new to me, but I, you know, I don't think I've ever read it, but I should. And then, I love this. Now, this is going to come in handy. Here's <laughs> is that a, still valid? The $5 credit $5 credit coupon toward the purchase of the 1997 ASL annual. You know, I may send this in. <laughs> it's from Avalon see what I Hill, get. though, right? Yeah. Oh, but certainly uh, the guys at MMP would honor this, don't you think? I'm I love sure looking would. through this. And you got an old Avalon Hill game catalog from 97 yeah, in there. Yeah, I love That's that. That's cool. Oh, here's a piece of paper that only you could love. The green sheet with the, the green da- sheet. Oh, yep. Blank on both sides. Write down all my... Uh... No, you may not have that. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then here is a, a chart insert for your uh, dividers. The QDR Which covers night. Of, um... But it, it's... Oh, yeah. This night. nice red yeah. color, which I haven't seen before, because our night rules are in blue. Yes, and on okay. the back it has a great miniaturized map. Yes, a miniaturized map of the... Uh, of the campaign map. In full color. Which is sweet, plus a, lot, a few other things here. An ad for the general magazine, a uh, return card. Now defunct. Fill out, yeah, fill out our what you think about Avalon Hill, and then the Avalon Hill Universal Games and Parts list, dated February 1st, 1997. Wasn't that long ago? You know what? It wasn't, you know, but 15 I, years I ago. have real nostalgia looking at that. Yeah. It's only 15 you know? years ago, and it's just, just like, wow. Yeah. It's ancient funny? history. This must be really valuable. <laughs> well, anyway, that 
is great. That's, I'm looking forward to punching the cameras. Yeah, and, and, and Jeff, the, the, scenario, the scenarios are small, a lot of them. Yeah, You'll doable. be able to do some one-nighters, right. Not You can avoid gliders if you wish, um, and then you got your gliders uh, scenarios if you'd like. But, but somebody told me that if you want to play the campaign game, one of the disadvantages of playing the campaign game or one of the things that's wrong with the campaign game is oh. if your gliders all crash, if you don't do well in the first turn when the yeah. gliders land and your gliders crash, they become damaged or whatever, you're kind of sunk. You, know, you, may, as well, you may as well give up. Yeah, that could so, be, I guess. I, I don't know. done the campaign game. That's, that's hearsay. I, I may or may not be able to... Uh, Add my own comments, actual comments to that at some point. But we'll see. All right. Well, thanks for bringing us that. Yes. And that was only, oh, $40. Hey, if you can still find that out there, and there must be some copies still around, grab it. Kind of surprising, though, isn't it, that there are still copies around for a game that's been out 15 years? Yes. And that was shrink-wrapped and all? It was shrink-wrapped and everything. New on the shelf at, at Games, Games Plus, Plus in Mount Prospect, Illinois. Yeah. It, it does strike me as, I don't know if they overproduced that one or if it just never captured Maybe interest, that's it. I love the whole, that bridge particularly and that whole little yeah. story. So yeah. I would grab it for you know, sure. It's a, it's a great action. Now, this is ASL Historical Module 4. Yeah. Which surprises me. There were three others before this. Well, I, mean, I don't know what they are. Oh. Tarawa? Ooh. No. I don't think so. This is about the time of Tarawa. Yeah. At one point, they had a lot of Tarawa left, and they were selling that cheap, actually. Really? Yeah. I would love yeah. to get my hands on Tarawa. So, if anybody's got an extra yeah. Tarawa. Yeah, and you know this one, as soon as it's all actually gone, gone? Yeah. What'll happen to the price? Whoop. Yep. I'm going to put that in eBay and gouge somebody. I mean... Oh, uh, Conf Group Piper 1 and 2 might have been... Before oh, okay, one. okay, okay. I always forget about those. You know, I, I don't know why, but we're in episode 82. We've been doing rules since episode one, and we still really don't have music for rules. Correct. Why is that? Laziness. Yeah. <laughs> that would explain it. How about this? Not very musical. That's not very musical. Okay, how about this? You know, maybe we should do some different things and have people... Uh, vote. A little more musical. Rules. Let's talk rules. The ASL Rulebook. Page 7. It's kind of... Uh, I like it. Yeah. How about that with the gunfire going on at the same time? <laughs> that might be good. That, of course, is uh, Peter Warlock's Capriol Suite. Of course, I always like to never say, heard of course. Them, but it's... you know, when I whenever I look up something and I want to sound really smart, I always say, "Of course." <laughs> then that, of course, is and of course. Now, Dave, we're going to be talking about gliders and paratroopers. And paratroopers. So um, now, I've never played gliders before. Imagine that. You're probably not all that surprised, but um, I did look over the rules, and uh, I feel like I'm ready, kind of a little bit. Sorry. And I haven't played them in a long time, but I'm ready too. Yeah, so it's too bad Rich couldn't be here, but we're gonna we're gonna press on without him. Yep. Next time we'll be talking about Operation Russell Sprung. That's a um, Brussels sprouts. 
Russell Sprung, oh. designed by Solst and Banizic, and it's I think that's a Heat of Battle. Yep, production. Oh wow, okay. So they'll be back with that report. I don't know. We don't, we don't we don't do that much with Heat of Battle. We need to do more. Yeah. Um, so gliders for all you folks, get out your rule books because we're going to be talking about Chapter E, Section Eight, entitled strangely enough, gliders, and uh, it's only about. A page and a half, a little more than a page and a half of rules, but it's dense. So new concepts. It's new concepts, kind of. and you know you don't play it, I guess, in a lot of scenarios. Right. But um, it, it's it adds uh, it's fun. You know, if you want to do something different, you know, uh, there are some scenarios that also have uh, beach landings and stuff like that, and it's fun. Get get you away from the add something a little different, a little mm-hmm. new dimension. So gliders, let's just let's just run right through this. For gliders, you can't use gliders unless they're in the SSR. You can't just decide you're going to lose, use gliders. It's got yes. to be in, in the, the rules, in the rule, scenario The scenario's special rules. Maybe build your own. Yeah, now if you're doing it yourself, you have to know that the weather must be um, designated as clear, mud, mist, snow. No, falling no snow, fall, but just snow, or but just snow, snow. Right. or gutsy. Gusty? Oh, that could be. But you have to be pretty gutsy to Gusty. get into one of those gliders and just come down. Yeah. No, not, no control. It's even hard for me to believe, and I, um, you know, that that they actually used gliders. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, but how terrifying would that be? You're, you get in a glider, you're towed behind a, another plane, unhooked for, how, for how, I don't know how many hours. Then you get unhooked, and you just yeah, you do hope have a you pilot, you know, but yeah. no engine. Yeah, and uh, yeah, but it must have been absolutely terrifying. Now, um, one thing interesting about gliders is whether or not you have wind conditions in the scenario, you have to establish a direction of the wind at the beginning of the scenario. Yeah, I noticed that with paratroopers too, so I won't yeah. repeat that rule, but uh, in case, just in case? I think it's partially in case, but also because you have to have a direction for, uh, and we'll be talking about this, the avenue of approach. Yeah. And so in order to have that, you have to establish this wind direction. Okay. Even though there really isn't any wind. And, of course, that's establishing a wind direction is easy. You roll one dice. And oh, it's and it one through six. The, yeah. And it goes off the, hex side. off the hex sides. And that's your wind direction. So get out your wind direction counter. There are three different kinds of gliders. They're all represented by one counter. Oh, I forgot that part. Yeah. So you only have one glider counter. It's got a blue side and a green side. Yeah. The blue side. Blew in the air. It blew in the air. Green once you've landed. On the land. Yeah. And right on the glider counter, it says the portage points for the different kinds of gliders. So the oh, German right. the German glider only supports up to 19, port, uh, sorry, 14 portage points. The U.S. gliders, 19 portage points. And British gliders, up to 29 portage the horses, points. The horses, right? Yeah. Big thing. Hold your horses. I, uh, apparently they were huge. The American and the uh, British ones, you can actually transport vehicles or guns. You know, obviously restricted based upon portage points and what the scenario rules are putting out for their um, for the orders of battle for that particular scenario. If your troops that are going to be on the gliders are going to have support weapons and it's possible to have them dismantled, they must be in the dismantled mode. So look through your dismantle counters and figure that out. 
Now, gliders uh, stay off board. So they don't... When they're flying in? When, well, you're, when, you're, when you're setting up the scenario, you have to set up where you want the, the gliders to land, again, based upon the scenario rules, Yeah, appro- approximately where they'll land. But you set them up off board. You put your uh, infantry counters, support weapons, everything like that. And you you can set them up using the uh, them the cloaking off, boxes. Uh, sorry, the cloaking boxes. Yes, so you can keep them off board, have them set up and ready to go, but your opponent can't see what well, it is they are. Right. This is like each box has a letter designation, and you put them into the box on a side sheet, and then the letter. So in glider A is the contents of this little section A on this piece of paper. You right. You put them into the box. Yeah. You put them into the box. You designate which hex you want them ideally to land in. Oh, so you pick a landing hex? Yes. Okay. Which is called the intended landing hex. <laughs> yeah, I like the word intended. Yeah. And they should put that in all caps, intended, because it rarely works out that way. It's sort of like calling in uh, off-board artillery and say, oh, yeah, I'd like to blow up that hex where, where all those leaders are. <laughs> well, that never works. You're, if you get within 10 of them there, you're, you're doing good. Now, the gliders come in on the movement phase, and what happens is, during the movement phase, during the your movement phase, you put the gliders, not the passengers and support weapons, but just the gliders on the map board in the intended landing hex. Okay, correct. And they're not all in a row or anything. They just have separate landing hexes. That's right. You can't okay. stack them together. So you, each one has to have its own intended landing hex. Um, so now, so... During the movement phase, well, before I get to that, when you put the gliders on the board, they have what they call, you have to create what they call an avenue of approach. So obviously when a glider's coming in, it's going to be coming in from one direction. And in this case, the gliders have to be pointed into the wind. And you would expect that because you want to have the maximum lift for the gliders. And apparently they they had to do this. You turn into the wind. Yeah, you you have to go against the, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to drop. You want to have the most control Cross, that you can current, have. current, yeah. Right. So you point them so that they're into the wind. You send them on your intended landing hex. And then the five hexes created along the hex row. Yes. There are six hex rows, you know, for any one hex. Um, the five hexes behind the glider are called the avenue of approach. Avenue, right. And that affects firing stuff, but you'll get to that. Yeah. <clears throat> So you just need to keep that in mind that those five hexes behind the glider are, are called the Avenue Approach, and those are going to be important hexes to consider. Because when the glider's coming in, you don't want to have an Avenue Approach that's running past Too a church. You know, <laughs> into the steeple? Yeah, through a church, you know, into a wall or whatever. Right. And I, so I, before that Avenue of Approach, they're considered like way up in the air. Yeah. They're not going to hit anything. Right. Yeah. So you you got to take that into consideration. You know, after you set your wind, the first thing you do is set the wind direction. Then you got to look at the map and figure out what the best avenue approach is for that wind. Set up your your cloaking on your cloaking board, and then during the movement phase, you put the gliders on the board. Unfortunately, it starts to get tough after that. So you put it the gliders. Pretty easy, yeah. Yeah. So far, oh yeah, I'll just land them there. Hop out. Pick a nice open field. Kill the enemy. Close to the bridge. Yep. We'll just walk up there and call it a day. <laughs> Unfortunately, 
uh, once you put them in the intended landing hex, your opponent has the ability to fire upon them using their light anti-aircraft gun. Or small arms, too? Um, as far as I know, only light anti-aircraft okay. gun. But I could... I don't think I could be wrong about that. Maybe not. If it's you just so rare. It, but. Yeah, I just read it. Now, I didn't read through all of the rules of light anti-aircraft gun. I thought we'd do oh. that maybe in another episode and go through... Because that was quite lengthy. Yeah. But... So, obviously, any scenario that includes gliders is going to have an opponent with some light anti-aircraft gun. Right. So, you get to take your shots against the glider. And if the... Now, you'll have to help me with this, Dave, because I couldn't get over the hump. (laughs) And there was a hump here. It said, if the final die roll on the IFT, you you go against the starred vehicle number. That's uh, to hit an unarmored vehicle... A start is the unarmored vehicle line. It's that thin line along the chart with the star on it. Yeah. It gives you a number you need to roll to kill, probably. Yeah. Okay, so what I where I was getting stuck is what is the kill number of a glider? Am I missing something here? The firepower. So if you have an eight firepower AA gun, okay. you can use the number that's in that eight column on the star line. Okay, which is which in this case I'm looking at it's a seven. So typically, less than that might be eliminated. Less than half of that number might be burning wreck. Oh, okay. And then more than that would be a miss. I don't know why I had such a hard time visualizing. If this. I'm correct on the actual specifics, because that's what they'll use for most trucks and other things. Well, the specifics get. are if you if you equal that number. So let's okay. say you have an eight AA gun. Yes, and I need a. So I'm looking I'm looking here and on the star line that shows a seven. Yeah. You roll your two dice. I get a seven. You get a seven and there are no let's just say there are no for modifiers. The sake of unarmed, there are no modifiers. <laughs> if you equal the number, the glider gets a wounded counter on it, which we'll talk about in a moment. Okay. And it must take evasive, evasive action. Okay. Which remember we'll the talk evasive. About I didn't remember the wounding. Yeah. If you get one greater than the star number. So in this case, an eight instead of a seven. Just evasive action? Yes. Oh, okay. Ding, 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 ding. Correct. Only evasive action. You don't get a wounded counter on it. So. There's no less than half as a eliminated plane? Total. No. So I can't shoot these things down? No. In a flaming rack? Oh. No. Do they have gas tanks? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a, that'd be a real blunder? It's like they put gas tanks on, but no, no engines. No motors. <laughs> but they couldn't be loaded with ammo and stuff I could blow up. But, I suppose so, yeah. But typically, if you're going into combat, yeah, it wouldn't typically, for the initial landing, you're not going to have them all loaded with just a bunch of ammo. No. Right? You can no. bring that up later. Right. Okay. Once you yeah. secure the field. Yeah, that's right. Cool. I, I say that like, yeah, I've thought of that already. Well, in actual <laughs> it's actuality, that, that actually makes sense. So, um, okay. So that's easy enough. Now, of course, um, the the defender can take as many AA shots at it as Based you want. Based on rate of fire or Rate of fire and the number of units that you've got. More than one unit rain. can obviously take a shot at it. However, if if more than one pulls a, 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 attacker. a, a attacker, gets multiple rolls that cause multiple evasive actions, you still only take one evasive oh, action. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not cumulative like that. Like three evasive checks. Or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you wouldn't have to do that. Now, on the evasive action, <clears throat> evasive is, is actually pretty easy. 
So it gets you move random. What what ends up happening is you roll a uh, random location die roll. I suppose okay. just like you would for sniper for a sniper or whatever, and then you move the counter to the new location. Oh, it could be in woods. Could be. So, so when I'm planning my game, I want to look for those open areas. The the most open areas you can, of course, would be the would be great. But I know I know ASL maps. <laughs> I, I know how those work. It never works out that way. But you just roll that die roll, and then you move. Now the um, avenue of approach is not going to change any. It's going to stay on that same hex row. Yeah. You just move over to the new location. Oh, okay. So and now. And that may put it in in line of sight of of new anti aircraft guns, which could then take shots at it. Oh yeah, if you cross over a tree line or right. something, or yeah. Yep. So I mean, you're just it's nasty. Now, assuming you survive all that, you can actually which land. usually you do, by the way. From it must all be. That I've played. I mean, I mean lose, it sounds tough, but I, I have, guess you would. If I have four gliders, I might lose one wounded on the way in, or one evade. Or, you know, I mean, I, I don't remember. Wait till I play. You know, even you will not get <laughs> oh, totally devastated. <laughs> no. All right. Well, assuming you survive that, your glider survives that, um, and it may get a wounded counter on it. Um, by the way, if you get wounded twice, so if you get a wounded counter, you roll that starred number. Yeah. Or under, you get a wounded counter. Uh, if you get wounded again, you're gone. Oh, then the whole glider's gone. Like shot down in the air. Yep. The contents are lost and everything. Contents lost. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I think you don't even put, you don't leave, put anything on the map. Yeah. Everything's gone. Yeah, probably not. However, if you have just a wounded counter on you or if you've survived and, and no wounded counter, you're ready to land. Well, you can't just land. You have to make a landing die roll, which is two dice, capital DR, and you roll. And the the die roll has to be on the colored die less than or equal to one in order to land. And if it's in order to land exactly where you're on. So if you roll less than or equal to one, there's some die roll modifiers. You land in that hex you're in. If you don't roll less than or equal to one, then you have to look at the white die. And if the white die is greater than or equal to four, you've overshot your landing landing zone. zone. Mm -hmm. Three or under, you've gone too short. Undershot. 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 Mm -hmm. So, and there's some die roll modifiers to take into consideration when you're rolling on the colored die. So I'll just read this from the rule book for each consecutive hex. Okay. So this is where the, your approach comes in for each consecutive hex along the avenue of approach that is clear of an obstacle whose topmost height is greater than or equal to one level higher than the base level of the intended landing hex. uh, You get a negative one. So in other words, if your angle of approach Maybe you get moved over. Your ideally, your first angle of approach is clear land all the way through. Right. However, if your angle approach gets moved where there's buildings and whatnot, then you have to add or subtract modifiers. Okay. Smoke doesn't matter, though. By the way, and half level modifiers don't don't matter. Then there's a plus one for each full level hex above the intended landing hex obstacle. So you might have three hexes in a row behind your angle of approach and then a building beyond that so you would get a two so you get you get a neg two on your die roll yeah so be neg three for the three hexes plus one for the hex that's got a building on it right so and that just means that you're open it is the easier 
the easier it is to land, the more gentle uh, descent that you would have. So um, now assuming you get to that, well, let's, let's go back. It's possible then you can get blown off the board. <laughs> so if, you're, if your intended landing hex is on the board, obviously, and you don't roll well and there's some fire against you where you have to do evasive action, you could actually get moved off board. So when you do that, you kind of have to do this thing where um, it's kind of like holding up a mirror to the board. Rather than putting another board alongside and moving off the board. Yeah, that's a common thing in the actually, setup. You're supposed to do that or like for off-board movements right. um, when well, you enter and stuff. Yeah. Here you actually use, which there was a good way to describe it, you use hexes that are on the board but mirrored out. Yeah. So... So if your angle of approach <laughs> is such that um, you've got a clear angle, but you're off board, we'll have to show this in the next episode. Okay. Well, but, you, but you show it. There's a visual for right. it. And actually the rule book gives you a little example. A little example from with using board four. Okay. How it works. Now, assuming you land, once you're ready to land, then you flip the uh, counter over and you have to roll a dice again to see if you crash. Okay. This is, this so, is terrorizing. Yeah, no. It's terrible. <laughs> and as long as you don't get a six, you avoid a crash. But still, there's some modifiers. Yeah, some so, guys crash, as I yeah. recall. So there's modifiers for things like um, gusts, shell holes, trench, hedge, marsh, fordable river, sangar, cactus hedge, huts, rice patties, graveyards? hamburger patties, brown rice cereal. <laughs> Gra- graveyards? Yeah. Um, no graveyards. No. If landing across a bank, hexide, pongees or pangees, vineyards, crest lines, locations that already contain a vehicle or another glider, orchards, stone walls, I'm sorry, graveyards, uh-huh. yes, bocage, depressions, roadblocks, cactus patches, olive groves, yeah, palm just, trees. Just, just oh my to, gosh. About everything. And I guess you kind you of. Know, you don't want to land with hex with any hard obstacle in it. Is pretty basically. much. Um, and you, it even gets worse if you're landing, if you end up landing in woods or a building oh, yeah. or a bridge, crag, cliff, jungle, bamboo, blind hex, black hole. <laughs> swamp. You a black hole? Are you off the board? Yeah. Landing in a swamp, so it gets pretty nasty. But assuming you don't roll, assuming you roll less than or equal to a six, you land. Yeah. Thank goodness. But if you crash, then. Um, if your final crash die roll is a seven, you're damaged. But if it's more than an eight, then you're eliminated. So, so it's just the way you have goes. to roll high. You have to roll low. I mean, if it's to, greater to be than eliminated, a, totally to, to to be eliminated, you, you have, have to, to roll hit really high. bad terrain. Yes. and roll six. You know, if you land in a swamp, eight. it's it's going to add plus four to your die roll. Oh, okay, okay. So hopefully, yeah. you're not going to be in a swamp or woods. You know, obvious stuff. Right, and I don't think I've ever really hit bad. Really bad terrain. So the boards do tend to have enough open area that if you fall off a little bit, you're going to be okay. Speaking of terrain, they don't mention trains. So there must not be (laughs) gliders and train axes together. Okay, so then you land. What happens then? The defender can defensive final final defensive fire on you. It's like, how how could this possibly be any worse? (laughs) Now at that point, you know, they can do their support weapon and their inherent weapon fire at and it and you're it's like you're in a vehicle 
it's like you're in a an unarmored truck. Yeah. That would make sense. Using that star yeah. of vehicle line right. again. And then if then there's like survival and whatever from base. Now folks, are you are you sure you want to play a scenario with gliders? I mean this sounds yeah. pretty it's, even more sure. It's pretty intense. Now assuming that you live through all that, then then in the advanced fire phase you actually bring your counters out from your advanced phase? Yes. Not advanced. Advanced fire, fire phase. phase. Advanced fire phase. You actually bring the counters out. Put them on the board, and they can advance fire phase from inside. Oh, okay. Which and this kind of amazed me. From inside their their glider, not as opportunity fire, but you know. Yeah. So it's going to be halved. Yeah. You know, you get a few. You might get a few shots off, and then it's in the following movement phase you can actually dismount from the glider. So you have to stay in there during oh, the rest of that turn. Out, even though no. you've fired. No, you come out during the movement phase. Okay. Yeah. And then you know you can pull out any vehicles that you might have in there. Et yeah, because they could have those jeeps and all yep. kinds of things in them. Believe all kinds it or of not. stuff. Yep. Food trucks. Maybe I'll do a little history report for next episode. Too. Ice cream trucks about gliders. Yeah, that'd be good. Maybe. Yeah. And uh, that's pretty much it for gliders. That does, you know, I like them. It sounds, I like them a lot. It sounds, you know, <laughs> to a guy like me, sounds like too too risky. It's but I'm going to try them where I'm ready to try them. Like, like I've said, you don't, I've never lost so many that I've lost a game based on it. Yeah. Um, Hard to believe. I've played all the glider official games up yeah. to where I am, which is a lot of them. And... It's fun. I, I well, it must be. Really they like, wouldn't put it in there, yeah. I just really like coming in on gliders. Yeah. In my imagination. Yeah. It's really a lot of fun. It's much more fun than another, okay, move on from off board, down the road. Yeah. You know, I go. It really gives you a different flavor. Yeah, it's a lot, a lot of, of variety. Yeah. And I feel the same way about the paratroop rules. Tell me about the paratroop rules because I, I don't know much about them. All right. Paratroop landings. Yes. I get the dramatic background music. Your troops are represented by the cloaking box once again. Now, I don't think I've ever played a game with gliders and paratroopers. Yeah. Okay? Okay. Um, it seems like this Rosselberg might be one. Um, the airdrop, which is called an airdrop, coming in by parachute. It can be dropped only if the weather's clear, mud, mist, much like you had said before. Okay. Seems the same. Mm-hmm. Wind direction, again, established, even if no wind. And then they can... I'll ask you a few questions, Jeff. Oh, good. Making it a quiz show. Quiz show. Can they fire while falling? I know that's a good question. Now, are they shooting their weapons down at the earth while they're falling? I would think so. No. So that's... I mean, I to me... You'd sure, want to be but, shooting. But I would want to be shooting, but from right. a... You're hanging on to your little ropey things. Oh, okay. All right. And steering. Yeah, I don't know and, that much about yeah. about World War II parachutes, Can but you makes sense. move... I've uh, seen Sylvester Stallone shoot from a parachute well, it, yeah, really I'm well. thinking of The Longest Day again. Oh. We didn't like that much. Yeah, that but didn't... Yeah. Can you move while you're falling? Move in what way? Like, what do you mean? just run across the air. That would be hilarious, but no, I'm going to say no. No. Can you advance while falling? No. Well, can, down. Can Can you a leader direct other units? No. No. Can you scream for help? 
Yeah, yes, I would. I'd be counting on that. Yes, they only fall and hold their little harnesses, and during the advance phase, they take off the harnesses. Just imagine okay. kicking out of their gear once they've landed after they've fallen during the whole movement phase. Now, a paratroop counter uh, represents how many men? Well, that all depends. Oh. So you take your troops, rule yep. 9.11, and you divide them into groups of five sticks. Now, this is why I can never remember what a stick is or a wing is. So, Okay. Um, but the troops are divided into groups of five sticks called wings. A stick is one five-eighth inch paratroop counter, parachute counter, and up to one half inch counter. So you can have the big parachute counter and the little parachute counter oh. together, and that's a stick. Okay. I know. It's not clear to me either, and I've done mm. this many times. Yeah. All I remember is they're falling in a line like yours, and then there's wind and all this stuff, same stuff. Okay. Um, now, only one wing may have more than five or less than five sticks. So apparently you have to, if you have 20, you have to group them into fives. If you have 19, oh. you have a five, 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 and then a, f- and a stick four. of four. Okay. Or one, a wing. A wing is this whole group of them. Each stick, that's the individual counter, parachute counter you're using. Yeah, right? okay. Can have one squad or equivalents and a single-man counter and a support weapon. So much like when you set up hidden, right? Yeah. A squad and a weapon and a leader can be set up hidden. Same idea. Okay. So one parachute counter stick can have a squad, leader, weapon. And weapon, Okay. Now, all support weapons can be airdropped, including the uh, 76 to 82-millimeter mortars, Mm. the big mortars, if they're DM'd. Remember, those big mortars can be broken down, dismantled, and uh, smaller, and then you can carry them around. But Um, they go go down with the... With the infantry. They can drop. In some cases, it's separate. In some cases, it's with. Okay, so they can go down separate? Yeah. Okay. Uh, often they hit them in these cases and things. Oh, but a support cool. weapon. Yeah. So, and and I, I can imagine they get blown around and you're not anywhere near your... Yeah, and then you land, you have to go run over yeah. to them. And, yeah. yeah, okay. It is, see, it is cool. Yeah, it's very cool. A support weapon um, represented by a half-inch parachute counter is the small one. It's placed above the 5 eighths inch counter when you put them on the board. Mm-hmm. Although I haven't quite covered that. I don't know why, but... Um, until the drift phase. So you place down your large parachute counter and then your little one on top, which is the support weapons. Okay. The little one, if they're separate. And then a parachute until the drift phase. So they can separate then when you go running to get them on the ground, right? Okay. They will separate. Like you just so you separate. put them on the board in the movement phase? Yeah. And... The parachute helps hide the ID number of the units and gives a common morale factor for them as they ah, fall. Yeah, and it does not provide a concealment or cloaking or anything else. Okay, all right. So now the drop point. Yeah, what you're getting to. Prior to setup, like you had a uh, landing hex ILH. Right, right. The parachutists each have a drop point that you set up prior. You pick prior to setup. Each wing designates a drop point, a whole hex. Okay. And greater than or equal to five away from other drop points. So okay. you have to spread out these drop points. And mm-hmm. That's tricky here, too. Yeah. I think with the gliders, I remember coming in pretty close together. 
And sometimes if I yeah, I mean if I screw say, up my landing thing, I might hit it on a glider. Right. Which which yeah has, it didn't has say a number five of away from each other. No, no. It apparently, there's no restriction other than you can't you can't stack them. Yeah. So the yeah, parachutes coming down, they want them spread out more as they jump out of the plane. Mm-hmm. And there's multiple planes, and I think I'm imagining that each I'm guessing that each wing is a plane unloading a bunch of shooters, right? Yeah. Because then you you roll for that drop point, similar to yours. A one to three is on the point, and a four, five, six is a random selection to pick oh. both the board, if there's multiple boards, and the hex. Oh, wow. So it could be... You could be way off. You could be off in this one, yeah. And that sounds right, because I know a lot of those paratroop drops were... Way off. They were off. Yeah. More often than not, probably, and more often than we want to admit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there, you used the snow drift placement rules, rule 3.75, which we won't get into here, to determine that. But that involved rolling for the board, rolling for the hex okay. grain, rolling for the hex. Mm-hmm. And then each wing, again, a stretching out group of parachutes, the wing, places two sticks, and that's the individual parachute counter, right? Okay. On each side of the point, and one in the middle of the middle of the point, and the rest along the hex grain. So you're just laying down the five parachutes centered off the landing point that okay. you end up with. Yeah. Whether it was the chosen one or the new one. Okay. And I'm good. And then rule nine point two. All sticks drift. So similar to the land, you know, getting shot at the landing thing. You're, you're not going to make a parachutist go way off by shooting at him. But right, right. He will drift by because they don't they don't have ability to evasively action. Right. right. They're very little actually. There is yeah. a little. Yeah. Here, which I never knew until I did these rules. Um, but they can drift with a random location roll. Now Germans will have the white die roll fractions rounded up, and Russians increase it by 50%. Oh. So who was the better head parachuting in? The Germans. And the worst? The Russians. Yeah, they can be way off. So if you would turn to your... But nowadays, we don't have those sort of... uh, We don't talk about that kind of stuff. All people are equal. Equal. Every, yes. Oh, yes. yes. You could never get away with saying no, that today. you couldn't. You would have to change the rules. <laughs> so if you, Jeff, would turn to your rule book, page E26, and read, I'm sorry, 27, mm-hmm. and read footnote 24. I'd be happy to. Drift and 9.4 landing. German parachutists dropped from lower altitudes than most Western al- Oh, German parachutists dropped from lower altitudes than most Western allies and were therefore not a subject to widespread drifting, although jump-related injuries were proportionally higher. In addition, their parachutes were not equipped with risers, with which they could maneuver somewhat while in descent. The Russians jumped from higher altitudes because their square parachutes took longer to open 
and tended to drift farther as a result. That's that's quite amazing. I love the footnotes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so it's not racist, it's technologically based. Yeah. But the Japanese parachutist has the best silk. Yes. <laughs> and colored and all. Really cool. Yeah. And so as these guys are falling, each support weapon will drift separately from the men. Yeah, okay. Right, the squad, the leader, and the weapon, except the British get to keep their light machine guns, light mortars, and radios with them, and the U.S. keeps its light mortars with them. Hmm. And no one else is mentioned there. Hmm. So I'm imagining that means the Germans put all their weapons into these canisters yeah. and drop, and drop them, them down. Separately. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But the British carried their lights, light mortars and radios, and the U.S. kept the light mortars dismantled and I'm imagining into pieces and then landed. Or they're so light you just, you know, spread yeah. the ammo and the <clears throat> base and then the tube. And, of course, if there's a wind, you adjust your new landing point. So you roll a random landing point, so they're off all the time. Well, I'm sorry, one to three they're on, so half your dudes are going to be off. Drifting, yeah. yeah. And then the wind's going to push them away. So as you set up your landing points, remember to see, they're going to go two hexes downwind for a mild breeze, mm-hmm. and three if there's a gust at landing phase, mm-hmm. and then four hexes downwind for a heavy wind. So if you have those conditions, you darn well better plan for them to be off, right? Right. Those that amount of hexes. Yeah. Now, if there's no um, if there's no wind at the start, and you roll for a weather change, first and roll turn. snake eyes. Where's what's the most increase oh. in wind you can have? I can't remember offhand what it goes up. A to. lot of time, it stays the same. And then it increases by a level. Just one level up. Or decreases, yeah. which is the same okay. then. And I, I imagine most of these parachute, parachute drops come in on the first turn. I would imagine, but I don't yes. know. They, I mean, I'm just it's guessing. all the ones I've done have. Yeah, okay. So you're probably not going to get too many occasions where but, yeah, that's you're a in good, gusty conditions. That's a good question. Because that would be Yeah, to go crazy. an extra hex off yeah. and plan. Yeah. Um, and then rule 9.3. Now, after you... Do this uh, drift, the person after the drift. So you get to do the whole drift thing. Yeah. Set them on the board, and then comes defensive first fire and subsequent fire. Right. Even at off board units. I don't know how you resolve that, but so there's no defensive fire while they're in the air. Right. But this okay. symbolizes they're still in the air when you're shooting. Okay. Um, but but it's it makes sense. Just get all the movement stuff done as yeah. they drop down and drifting. Then start opening fire at okay. them. Anyone that can see them. There's um, hazardous movement, neg two. Mm. Doesn't sound fun, does it? Uh, only hindrance you get for protection is a, a low visibility hindrance, mm. like mist yep. or smoke. Uh, no train effect modifier, of course, when you're in the air. No height advantage. Uh, so it is dangerous. Yeah. Um, typically, in a scenario like that, there's not a lot of the guys that can shoot at you in the air. A couple of places around. Yeah. Um, the shots can only affect one parachute, no matter how many are in the hex, unless you do a random selection to get more than one. Oh, okay. And 
Uh, no target is attacked two times by the same firer. No residual. No pins. You can't. Yeah. Don't want to pin in the air. Heat of battle. No. Right. No. Too confusing. Uh, no firelings up into the air. Yeah. Uh, no sniper attacks and no to hit die roll weapons. Roll to hit. Roll effects. None of that. None of that. So who can shoot? Well, small arms, unlike the gliders. Okay. Pistols, rifles, the yeah. infantry. Okay. And the light right. AA. Oh, and the also. light AA. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Which um, I think that includes machine guns. I think they move them under light AA. Um, or do they use uh, them as regular small arms? Yeah. They, you know, you're right. Light AA is a special kind of AA weapon. Right. With like a rate of fire or uh, something or other or caliber size, whatever. Right. Um, paratroop gliders, uh, when they land, they don't have snipers until they land on your side. So if you're coming in with the gliders and the paratroopers, you don't get snipers until yes, the guys they landed on the okay. ground. And the stick falling. I don't think they mentioned that. I, I didn't in see the glider that in rules? the glider rules. Yeah. Anything about sniper, but it's got to ah, be the mine same. Mine was paratrooper slash gliders in the parrot rules. Okay. So maybe that's they expect you to read the whole thing through. I guess. Um, but your stick takes a morale check, task check for all the contents, which, again, I think is only a counter, a multi-man counter and a leader at a level 7. So you have a set morale. And uh, whether you're broken or not, and then if you break during that fire, you flip them in their cloaking box again. Right. And then after all fire at them, they can move one hex. Now, they're still in the air, see? This is not advanced phase. Uh-huh. So they all get shot at. Then they can move one hex. Uh, of their choice? Yes. And that's as far as I've gotten. Uh, yeah, they can choose the hex they move to. This represents they're kind of guiding it. Yeah, pulling on the ropes. Uh, yeah, and mm-hmm. then except it says the Germans, and that's the same footnote 24 that you read. It said they didn't have the... They they jumped from a lower elevation, Less so they were probably... guide it. Well, they, and they were falling faster. Yeah. Because they didn't have as much time with an open parachute. Yeah, so everyone else can pick the hex... And they move into. So you can make that last minute avoidance of bad ah, terrain. Yeah. And then you're boom, you're on the ground. Okay. So, and then I had, believe you had off board landing for me, you took a look Let's at because I didn't quite finish my notes. Okay. Yeah. So you can also, you can land off board just like you can with the glider. And the way you determine the terrain that you're landing in is the same as with the glider, where you use this, re, this, Oh, mirror image. Like it's kind of like a mirror image. It's it's corresponding hexes on the same board south of your location. I it, it's very very hard yeah. to explain, but that's how you determine the what the terrain is, um, and so you may have uh, injuries or whatever as a result of that. Um, but also those units that are off board that land off board then. You can butt another board up against it, and they can move only one hex per movement phase. So if oh, they land they off board, on. they can come back on, but not very fast. Oh, yeah, it could be like they're far away. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's ever happened to me. So but... one hex per movement phase. Um, they can't move in the advance phase unless it's the turn on which they can advance onto the live board. Okay. Otherwise, if they're too far off, they don't, they don't move in advance phase. And then... Um, 
you know, broken, if they're broken, they rally normally. Um, Offboard support weapons and guns may be recovered normally, uh, but only by units that land offboard, obviously. Oh, okay. gonna, you can't go running offboard to pick up weapons. So the main so thing the, here is the, do the, not try and land on the edge of a board. Yeah, I'd, I'd stay away from it if I, yeah. if you could. So, and, and if all your weapons land off board and you land on board, you can't run off board and, and get grab them it. again. Nope. Yeah, that's pretty strict. Um, and then injuries, I'll read through this because it has the parachute landing in. I'll just kind of say all that complicated terrain you mentioned. Yeah. Cactus, graveyards, swamps. Stuff you would think of. Yeah. Normal, you know, it makes sense. Um, they take a normal morale check immediately. Okay. On a seven morale, level the parachute counter, regardless of their normal morale. The half-inch parachute, which is the weapons, right, takes a check when it lands in dense jungle or swamp. And one landing in an interior building hex takes a normal morale check, then moves one hex downwind to another building hex, so it's blowing along the rooftops. Okay. It's falling. Yeah, it won't stay on the roof. It'll fall off, right? Right. Roll down and so on until it reaches a non-interior building hex. Um, at the base level of which it lands. And then all, that's cool. <laughs> Your weapon's rolling down the building to get to land. In yeah. There. Now all other 5 8 inch parachutes, which have the infantry take the normal morale check upon landing, still using the 7 morale, even if broken. And a stick that fails its normal task check, that's the, okay, so f- when you land in bad terrain, it's a morale check. When you land in good terrain, it's a task check. See the difference there? Okay, yeah. And if you fail the task check, you break into the two half squats. Okay. And move to the next text downwind. It just represents that your squad got spread out more as they landed. Yeah. Which, okay. is, again, is really cool. Yeah, right? that, that's neat. So even in good terrain, you're going to take a task check and then maybe be split and spread out. Right. So you have to do some regrouping, reorganizing, yeah. running around to get weapons. Yeah. It's, it's cool. It's yeah. just like it really is, right? Yeah. And, um, of course, you don't want to land in a blaze, yeah. flooded stream. You're going to frozen, not, you know, water obstacle. Down a well. <laughs> oh, that happened. Like yeah. That, yeah, like that scene in The Longest Day. <laughs> yeah. that, I don't know. There's something about that five seconds of film that sticks in my head, how terrifying <laughs> yeah. that must have been. That's I mean, such a narrow guy. opening. Wouldn't you just stick your arms out or something? But I, I imagine. Yeah, I know. Unless it was a big well. They must not have seen it coming, and suddenly they're going down the well, well. it's night. You're holding on to your ropes. Yeah. And your feet hit it, and how quick can you respond? Um, <laughs> like my bad day got worse. No, it is bad. And they drowned oh. it in these. Oh, I'm we, sure, We yeah. talked about that yeah. before. They drowned it in these landing fields that yeah. were halfway flooded with the weight of the backpacks. They yeah. fell over, and they couldn't get off and out <sighs> and up in time. And <clears throat> Yeah, it's bad enough to go to war, but then they have to go through all that. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. then we'll go to final fire. And again, I didn't finish preparing, uh, but there's a short rule here. After all, landing die rolls resolved, parachutes get shot at <laughs> with the normal line of sight and rules for ground targets. Okay, and if you land in the hex with the infantry, enemy. With the enemy, I, I, enemy yeah, yeah. There's your triple point blank fire. Oh. Even if the paratroops are already broken or disrupted. <sighs> Mark the survivors with a close combat. Yeah. So yes, you can land right in there with the other guys. They get the triple shots. <laughs> yeah, and then you're in CC. All right. 
And in the advance fire phase and route phase, um, they may not attack or route and are not subject to route rules for surrender or any of that either. Oh, okay. So you land in the midst of people broken. You're not subject to all the capture and all right away. Hmm. Um, okay. But I imagine it's going to be really hard to get out of that situation. I would think. And then they don't move in the advance phase. Instead, all just dropped 5 8 inch parachutes are removed and their components are placed on placed board. Placed on board, okay. With normal capabilities. Yeah. Okay. So that's like the gliders in the advance fire phase. Yeah. 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 Somehow I imagined, I remember like advancing after all these landings, but no. no. You may have. No. And just incorrectly. Maybe we played it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fine, Dave. You should okay. be oh, thank a, you, Jeff. You should be okay with that. Now, there is a special rule for German paradrops. It looks complicated. Yeah. <laughs> we'll skip those. Skip those rules. Oh, yeah. What? It involves strength factors and, uh, yeah, just read it on your own. Yeah. Rule 9.7. Pre-42 German paradrops. paradrops. I actually skipped over... Um, one little part of the the glider rules, oh, yeah. which is you know what happens if the glider is damaged, which oh, we said with the you know, wound counter it could get damaged with the wound right, counter. Right, right, yeah. So if it lands it, and it's got was its contents, it's, it's damaged. Broken. All of the support weapons are considered to have malfunctioned. Oh, okay, but can you repair them? Then you can repair them normally as that as that comes up. Um, any vehicle in a damaged glider is considered bogged, and can set. Oh, yeah, like the yeah. Crushed into the yeah. terrain, damaged wheels fell off in the landing. Still possible it could come out, but but it could become mired or, or immobilized when trying to exit the glider. Uh, right, so right. I like you, it. You yeah. can lose it there. Uh, a damaged glider also suffers a casualty reduction to one or more of its passengers, depending on a random selection die roll. Okay. Th- so, and that makes sense. Damaged glider, probably going to make a, a rough landing, may possibly cause injuries or worse of the troops contained therein, so this is this is covering that contingency. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then the rest of the passengers take a normal morale check. So damage glider, not a good thing. If the damage glider on the ground gets hit again, everything's gone. And, okay, so that's everything's again, gone. That double damage is bad, really right. bad. Um, you, still, you still replace it. Let's see, I think you replace it with a vehicle counter like an unarmored truck destroyed our unarmored truck or something like that just to to mark that that's where the there's a wreck there there's a wreck or there. something yeah. and so subsequent glider landings can have problems because of that so yep. anyway i skipped over that somehow but it's fun stuff yeah it's very Doesn't cool it? yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to trying yeah, it it slows down your game at the beginning yeah but again i i just can't help a lot of players oh i don't want to do all that it's not like playing Jungle train in the Japanese or something. Yeah. You know, and you work it all out. It's like you said, it's for gliders a page and a half. Really? Yeah. Right? Really. Paratroopers was another page and two pages, maybe. And they make it a lot more complicated than it is with all those words. Yeah. When you, (laughs) again, like, and I like your reviews of rules, Jeff. You do better paraphrasing. I tend to get more into the nitty gritty, which I think we don't need always. For a new guy, he needs to hear the basic concepts. Yeah, maybe. And then you can look at that rule to find out the specifics yes. and the mods. And, but, um, yeah, great stuff. And I think one of, the, 
one of the things that I love about Squad Leader is that the game doesn't tell you exactly how to set up. You, oh, know, yeah. you, you can kind of set up, in most cases, however you want. And this just adds a little more of the randomness to how the setup goes. And can you recover from those yeah, natural from that. things that are going on? Yeah. Yeah, and I have not and had that's a really cool. scenario where I felt, like you said, for the campaign game, yeah. they said that. But in my scenarios, I've never... I guess you could. One could get shot down with two wounds, right? You could. One, the next one could hit the trees. <laughs> the next yeah. one could... It could happen, but... Typically, you will find a large enough area. They don't give you boards that are all woods to do, right. to do these yeah, landings right. in either. Yeah. So you will find areas with lots of landing areas. In fact, if you look at this board you happen to have out now, why do you have this out? Uh, because one of the examples that they were giving on oh, the, board the reverse, uh, that reverse angle. Mirror thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, was using board four. Yeah, if you look at board four, actually a lot yeah. of open territory. The worst you'll hit is some grain. Right. Or a hedge. Which is, you know, yeah. uh, some woods, but you're not going to, you can plan those hex grains. Of course, your enemy also then is looking. I'm When I set up, I remember, do a little strategy, I guess, now yeah. that I remember. Um, yeah, I would go, okay, he might come in these lanes here. I want to put my light machine gun in this woods, and then the guys over here hit them when they come out. And that is one of the try things. Try to counter plan. Because you're yeah. defending potential glider landing and zones. And yes, you know the gliders are coming in, which is... Which kind of, you know, it's not that fog of war that happens in real war, but well, that's but a constraint. Again, at the Pegasus game. Bridge, they put up these little stakes in the ground. Really? Yeah, they dug in these stakes. I like pork chops. <laughs> I think they should have done pork. Sharpened stakes. Yes. Because um, they thought the invaders were vampires. Yeah. <laughs> if they landed on the sharpened <laughs> stake, they'd be killed. <laughs> yeah, but you no, know, they did. Was it Rommel who was defending that? Yeah, Normandy. Yeah, they put up a lot of those, and it wasn't in the rules though. The stakes. Oh, okay. On your when you went read through. Right? Yeah, no, I didn't see anything about that. I wonder if it was in Pegasus Bridge, or if I'm just knowing from history. Well, I started reading the Pegasus Bridge book from Osprey Publishing, but I didn't. I'm only halfway through it, so. Okay. Next uh, next yeah. show, I'll we'll do a little recap. Yeah, we'll research it. And yeah. Figure it out for next time. Yeah. When when we continue. Yeah. So we'll have more maybe next show or within within a couple of shows. We'll do more about these airborne type things. We'll do a little follow up with hopefully Rich bombers and, uh, and fighters and yeah things oh, like yeah, that. that too. You know what I didn't know is, according to this Osprey book, paratroopers were called paratroopers and glider troops that would come in and gliders were called airborne. No, I yeah. did not know that. And I always thought airborne. But the hundred first airborne is the were parachutes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. In the 82nd? Yeah, 82nd Airborne Parachute guys. Ox and Bucks for the Brits. So anyway, that is a um, little bit of trivia. Yep. And we'll we'll call it a show, Jeff? We're going to call it a show. That was a good show. I really enjoyed that. This is the best show we've done all day. I actually got pretty excited talking about (laughs) sliders and parachutists. (laughs) Makes me want to play. More excited than the terrain rules. Yeah, well, the terrain rules. Okay, there's a house. You can move in it. You're landing the glider and it's going to crash, and you got to look out and they're shooting at you. It, it's more exciting when you do the massage parlor and rules, yeah. which is uh, coming up on a future show. Well, anyway, folks, thanks for listening. We always appreciate it. Uh huh. Absolutely. And, and chime in, let us know you're there. Yeah, write us, call us, something. We'd love to hear from you. And Dave, roll. great to see you. Looking forward to next time. 
Yes. And say and it. Roll low. And rally well. But, but now when you're playing, playing us. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. You know what would be worse? Because the pilots also had to be ready to fight, unlike pilots flying parachutes.